Welcome along to the Wise Wednesday podcast where we have a game to dissect and look at a 1-1 draw away to Oxford. Not too much dissection. No, no. Well, it links into the preview as well because we are playing Blackpool uh, tomorrow night. Myself and Gareth are joined by Richard Mason again. Hello. Richard Mason. That's his name. It's his his media name, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Richard Would you East. prefer Easterbrook? I've, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's his name. That is my name. Well, you you put Mason out there, not me. I did. If you don't want to yeah. be refer, uh, referred then, to, then as I got Mason. married and I'm a modern man and I changed my name because I'm a modern man. I wish yeah. I hadn't now with all mm. explanation yeah. I've had to do over over the years. <laughs> you should have a wise man. Well, your wise man say name is Easter Egg because yeah. of the ab- that online that abuse that you got that time where but, somebody <laughs> trolled you with that. Yeah, which is yeah. good. But oh, enjoy that. Considering I did it by deed, Paul, I could have cha- chosen any name, and I could have chosen any middle name. I could have added, like the nineteen ninety two cup final squad or something. Or <laughs> would have been a strange move, but fair enough. <laughs> other people, regular, are, other people are here now. Yeah, well, so I, you want to introduce? No, but I wasn't going to just or? cut them off and say that was it. You just let that I would just natural conversation flow come to an end. I think it needed to come to an end, and then you bring in Lance Hardy. Who you've been on the show on the phone before a couple of years ago, Lance? But first time you've been sitting around with us. Yeah, um, kept, the, kept the same name. Yeah, <laughs> as most <laughs> of us do. Um, author, journalist. Do you want to? Uh, what I'll do is I'll let you explain to our listeners a little bit about your background in that, and of course, you're a Sunderland fan as well. So it's mm. important just to talk about your early memories of Sunderland, and and just I'd, I'd just give you the mic and let you do what you want, basically. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, well, the first time I ever saw Sunderland play on the TV was fifth of May, nineteen seventy-three. Um, Doesn't ring which, a bell. Uh, <laughs> uh, just a distant day in our history. Uh, got hooked on them from that point onwards. Um, first saw them in the flesh, uh, 1976, first division uh, season. Uh, started coming regularly in the 80s, all the way up to when I went down to London to join the BBC. So uh, my career as a journalist started in the mid. 80s in local newspapers in North Nottinghamshire. Joined the BBC in 1990. Stayed there until about five or six years ago, and I've been self-employed since then. Um, my work is mainly in television, international sports events, football. Uh, working on major events, major football programs. So I've, I've worked at six World Cups, four Olympic Games. I feel like I'm giving you my CV here. Mm-hmm. In terms of my writing, Stoke or Sunderland 73 would probably be the book mm-hmm. that most people know me for. Uh, in these parts, I've also edited Tales from the Red and Whites with Graham Anderson and Rob Mason over the last few years and ghostwritten a few other autobiographies, namely Steve Davis, Bobby George, Kelly Smith. Mm-hmm. Okay. What have you done, Stephen? <laughs> yeah. What have you, what have you done, Gareth? <laughs> yeah. What's this? Well, I've done nothing. Yeah. We're going to put our CVs on the table. Lance thing. would win quite easily. You're, you're looking for work at the moment. Yeah. I've actually, actually brought mine with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This would actually be a, a recruitment technique for Richard if he did that, wouldn't it? Because he's looking for work at the moment. So if you did that. Yeah. I'd, I, well, I've, I've spent the last two hours speaking about myself. So <laughs> probably not going not gonna to follow Lance's uh, lead. Who was your favourite player, Lance? Sunderland player? Well, Gary Rowell. By a mile. Mm. Growing up, yeah. uh, Tony Towers um, from, from the seventy five seventy six promotion season. I'm thinking I may be the only one here who remembers that. Um, Unfortunately, so, t- yeah. it was it was Tony Towers, Pop Robson, and uh, Mel Holden. <clears throat> and Gary was just breaking into the team then, um, and then Gary Rowell 
throughout my formative years. Yeah. So you mentioned the book you did about the FA Cup there. You said that mm-hmm. might be what you're most known for, but those, the tales from the red and white are relevant, so you want to tell some of our listeners about those books, plug them, because one of them is still quite recent as well. Tell us which players you spoke to, which managers you spoke to. The series has been really successful. It's been really enjoyable to work on as well, particularly with um, guys like Graham and Rob, you know, who were, who were brilliant to work with. Um, the first volume came out a few years ago, and it was essentially an anthology, um, which I edited. Um, it was put together by a lot of well-known names who work in the media, such as Graham, Rob, Nick Barnes, Jeff Brown, etc., and a few former players, Jimmy Montgomery, Gary Rowell, Gary Bennett feature. The second volume that came out at the tail end in 2017 was a Sunderland 11 with a difference. It went all the way back to Stan Anderson in the 1950s and we were keen to select players, not necessarily the best 11 that we could think of, but players who had interesting stories to tell that that, that covered mm. five decades or more. And then the last uh, title has actually been the most successful of all three. Um, that came out in November last year. It's titled Managers and the three of us spoke to two managers each. I spoke to Gus Poyet and... Malcolm Crosby, which was interesting. Uh, Graham spoke to Peter Reid and Simon Grayson, and Rob caught up with Laurie McMenemy and uh, Ken Knighton. So lots of very different managers there in mm. terms of success mm. Mm. and how Sunderland fans uh, feel about them. We've got some manager podcasts anyway, if you want to go and check them out. Including Malcolm Crosby, Dennis Smith, then on to Malcolm Crosby. Um, so, who's, who's next, though, Stephen? That's the question. Who? Well, who did follow Malcolm Crosby? It was Terry. Butcher, it was Terry Butcher. It? Oh yeah, we might just be doing that. So, it was terrible, okay. Stephen. Do you want to do? Do you want to uh, take over? Yeah. Go on then. I'm finished now. All right. Okay. Great. That <laughs> wasn't it. it? Yeah, yeah. Great listener. Great. great broadcasting. Magnificent. Um, so I guess you, you don't get to see the, the lads as much as you you would like. Then now, Lance live anywhere. It doesn't help when we're in Division Three either. Well, a handful of games really for the for the past number of years. I'm going tomorrow. Um, I've been to two or three games this season. Yeah, generally about four or five games a season. And your thoughts generally on on the current situation? Uh, well, obviously it's something of a concern, relatively speaking, in terms of what's happened since Christmas. Uh, I. I the start of the season, I, I thought that a playoff place would have been a decent return, actually, in terms of how I felt going into the summer and and, and everything. Uh, once autumn came around and we went on that winning run and seemed to be winning 1-0 every week and were handily placed in the, in the table and there looked to be a togetherness and a, and a good spirit and we were getting results, obviously you start to think, well, promotion looks as though it, it, it could be happening. And then we seem to have swapped 1-0 wins for 1-1 draws, and, and that has coincided with Luton and Barnsley hitting this rich vein of form, and so now it looks slightly different. Okay, well, on that, I just want to say before we discuss the games and stuff, I think we can all acknowledge this season's gone okay, and we're still the only team to score in every game, only two defeats, a massive overhaul in the summer, a club which seemed like it was on its knees, a win tomorrow, I think we're back to two points per game, which would normally get you promoted. I think the owners have done excellently in providing a strong squad of the manager. They've reconnected us as fans. Comparing what we've had over the last few years, it feels like it's fun being a Sunderland fan again, doesn't it? Which it hasn't done in years. Now, you can acknowledge that and respect it, 
But when you go to games week on week and have a passion that everybody wants to tap into when you want positive things to happen and it gives you positive energy, it's to be expected that when you're watching a group of players underperforming and playing poorly, very poorly, as was the case against Oxford, people are going to have a little mourn about it, aren't they? And it doesn't mean that you're forgetting or you forgot where what kind of season you've had or where we were last season. It's because you care deeply and you're passionate and you're allowed to come out and say a performance was poor. You're allowed to be concerned that you haven't scored more than one goal in the game since the 15th of December, which was building on what Lance was saying there. And we were talking before we come on air, those 1-0 wins have turned into 1-1 draws. With the attacking players we have, we should be doing better. Now, there's some clips on Twitter, aren't there? And if you're going to go and abuse the owner, then you're a little idiot. Um, it's also embarrassing if you call other people embarrassing if they disagree with your opinion. Yeah, acting like a melt. Yeah, sorry for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think. Are you finished? Or yeah. Well, no. But it's fair to say, isn't it? Because I just don't want people thinking. You know, the Twitter thing is a societal problem, isn't it? It's not some football <laughs> no. problem. I just want it to be clear that you know we are grateful f- for, for what's happened this season, what the owners have done in particular. But you know what? We're football fans, and this group of players should be performing. A little bit better than they are, right? Yeah. So we're going to try and dissect where where the problems are and suggest some things that, that can happen <clears throat> to change that. I think at five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, it's really difficult to see the bigger picture. Of course um, it is. I think I'm probably guilty as as much as anyone in this this room about that. But as 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 time develops, you know, two defeats is 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 great and it's really something impressive. But how many how many draws we had? Twelve draws across the season, and if we turned half of those into Half of those into victories, I think we, would, we wouldn't begrudge the fact that we might have lost maybe six of those mm. draws. I think a lot, a lot of fans are saying that in that, you know, a little bit more adventure, a little bit more of an, an adventurous streak on the pitch wouldn't have gone amiss. But well, I don't think, I don't think who's, who's that? No, it's evident the mm. midfielders aren't getting forward like they were. Max well, Power is the it, one though. that typifies it. Is, is it manager instructions? This is the strange. Or is it, or is it confidence? <clears throat> I think it's a, it's a bit of, a bit of touchiness and a bit of nervousness that's crept in to some of the play um, the pressure I think is a big part of it um, I think the at the start of the season it was interesting because you know the complaint you know the point of a complaint it's like a movable feast in it it's like oh well, we're conceding early in games that was the thing earlier in the season mm. we're conceding earlier in games and then we'd beat people Three one four one, and then it was all oh, well, you know it'd be great. But that's great. But we need to stop conceding early in games. And then we had a run where we didn't concede as many goals, and we're, and we're winning games, and people were happier. Even though there was a bit, it, that even at that point, I thought some of the some of the results were we kind of hacked through the games a little bit and managed to get the wins. Um, at the moment, it's kind of, you know the. Defensively, we've got the best. I think we've got the joint best defensive record in the in the league, which is weird because it doesn't feel like we are that strong defensively. But you know, we are clearly. Um, but they, they need to go back to. They need to work out what the, I'm sure they will be doing this, but they need to work out if you want to if you want to maintain the system that they've got in place. There's going to be a lot of talk about changing systems and all this. So they want to maintain that system, which I'm I'm perfectly happy with. They've got to go back and work out. Where the failures are and getting into the positions that they were getting into. Because I was looking at. Well, let's work out where the failures are first well, before we start suggesting at, how we can. No, put it I, was, right. I was looking at this. I was thinking about it earlier, and 
earlier in the season we, we'd often switch a player quite a lot so you know we'd get the wingers would get very wide and we'd be spraying the centre-back sometimes come to spray the ball to the wing or the midfielder would drop in and put the ball wide and we do that sometimes but we don't do it as much as we were other situations in games that were quite common at the start of the season were um, players coming on the, on the ball on the edge of the box so once we'd worked it you had like a midfielder coming on maybe to strike the ball on the edge of the day or then or work it wide to the other winger and those situations seem to have decreased um, I do think it is down to the force they're trying to force it all the time the centre backs are forcing it all the time they want to they want to get it forward quickly or why they're doing that is somebody not coming short for the ball is is, is it is it just a a nervousness to try and make something happen quickly because you know we're not scoring as many goals so they're trying to make stuff happen happen quicker if um, Ross didn't have the reputation he does as the kind of manager he is and the football he likes to play then it would be easy to look at him and say is he a problem because we have the players and they're not performing a certain way so are these players instructed but he came with his reputation and said he likes players to get the ball in the box that's not happening one thing we did rectify the weekend we scored from a corner which you yes. think we should all be happy about right yeah. and yes. guess what Grant Ledbetter took the corner I mean it's amazing that isn't it that's like Middlesbrough's corner taker signs for us he spends one game not touching a set piece and we don't create anything and then they put him on corners and we score from it Good old Route 1 corner lance as well. Ball into the box, header above the keeper. That's that's what you want, isn't it? Yeah, didn't overthink it. Didn't <laughs> didn't have five people on the edge of the box in a clump. Didn't play a short corner. Didn't, you know, skew it out for a throw-in. It was it was a perfectly put-in corner. It was amazing. Or just hit an area sometimes. Just hit, hit if, it's, if it's not working, just put a good ball into an area and get bodies in yeah, there. Yeah, because you've got a six-foot-five centre-half. Yeah. yeah. It's easy this football, isn't it? It's going back, been going back uh, centuries. That tactic, well, centuries, <laughs> decades. If you go back to Led, Led, Ledbetter's assist for uh, McGeady's goal against um, Christ, who do we play? That was also forgettable. Yeah, that that game was forgettable. It was a forward pass, and he gambled on the defender making a mistake, which he did, and he couldn't deal with it because he plays for the team at the bottom of League One. Exactly. And this, yeah. This is the, you know we should be gambling a lot more. Yeah. Totally what's, what's the worst that could happen? Totally agree. Will Griggs' performance thoughts? I thought he stretched the play quite well in the first half and Good touch. made the pitch a bit yeah. wider um, and longer. Sorry, um, you know that chance. He didn't really have a, a chance um, in the game, but you know it was probably not the great, not the greatest performance to analyse. The performance of the side overall probably not the best to analyse him on in that because. No, if it, it was wasn't his debut, I probably a, yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't be asking. It was the worst we'd we probably played this season. So, you know, it, it's, it's just a, a funny one, and it? it's a funny situation at the moment. There, there's so many positives, but at the same time, you know, there's so many negatives. I think in 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 the last six weeks, I think it, I was thinking about this the other day and thought the thing that would sum that sum that up is at the moment Luton run away with it, and they're probably. Going to win the league if you if you look at it on form and it's it's ludicrous. So, so we if but if we finish second, obviously we'd be delighted to go up. But it would be our worst league finish in our history at the same mm. time. Which I think it's quite poetic, really. Mm. I've quite enjoyed that. As I was still waiting for me and Lance were talking. But, go on, Lance. No, I was just going to say there's no way we're going to come second though if we're only going to manage to score one goal a game. No. no. So that needs to change, and it needs to change. Now mm. these these next seven days are, 
are I, crucial. I'm still not sure Luton are going to continue. I mean, they've turned into bloody Barcelona, haven't they? But, I mean, Mick Harford's gone there and... By all accounts, because Jones left and he took all of his coaches and stuff to Stoke, and they played this diamond formation, don't they? Which used to work brilliantly for me on Championship Manager, I have to say. I won many titles playing that diamond formation, pushing your full backs up. Um, and by all accounts, the players have said to him, We know how to do this, like leave this with us, which is all well and good when you've got momentum and you're winning, and they are flying, they're putting three and four past teams as well. So it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. But if it does, and then suddenly they go a couple of games, where teams have worked them out or it's not working, and then suddenly Harford's got to, got to change things. And I'm not saying he's not capable of doing that, but that would make things interesting. Or am I just clutching the straws here? No, it is a bit of a freak. It's a bit of a freak run, isn't it? I mean, they've opened up that, that six-point six gap over Barnsley. Barnsley have a, a game in hand, but we can be talking a lot about games in hand this season. It's, it mm. doesn't obviously translate into um We were better than Luton when we played them up here, weren't we? I thought we probably were, yeah. Just well, it wasn't loads in it. I think you know, they, and they got a dodgy penalty. We would have won that game. It's not like we like steamrolled them or anything. I think the key word you use, Stephen, is momentum, mm. and that's that's something that both Luton and Barnsley have. Mm. And going back to those three games, and you know, there's a real opportunity this yeah. week. You know, not just to, to uh, get a result tomorrow night against Blackpool, but the Friday night game, playing first going into the weekend. You know, could be critical. Could really put, yeah. put put pressure on those other teams at the top. Mm. I said back. Well, I said back 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 in last week. <laughs> I said last week. Said back last week. We yeah. failed to win two in the bounce since December. Mm. Um, and while we are tracking two points a game, you don't win titles by going win one, draw one. Mm. No, especially because you can't guarantee that you're not going to lose one at some point down the line. We do seem to yeah, be got, a bit that. unlucky in that whenever we're playing against these teams in the bottom half, they're always on a bit of form when they play us. Yeah. I think we've encountered a lot of that this season where we've played teams and... Like even Wimbledon you know, bottom great, come off the back yeah. of beating West Ham in the, I mean, in the cup. You do, they do tend to raise the game. I mean, again, go back a bit. If, if this is our sticky patch, then it's... You know, it's not the worst sticky patch in the world, is it? I mean, you look, at Port, look at Portsmouth's sticky patch. Haven't won in five... Lost three of those games, drew, drew two. They could argue um, they, they've got through it as well, though. They're still third. They just were way about. clear, though, weren't they? No, going, they were, yeah, going yeah, back yeah. six oh. weeks, yeah. they, they looked in the strongest position as Luton do now. Yeah, well, exactly. And that just shows that things can yeah. change. And it's Peterborough in the first few weeks as well. They were, yeah. they were up there and now they're they do back. It every year. It's great. I can't wait for them to do it again next season. They <laughs> literally do it every year, don't they, Peterborough? I like the way they're, they're also stuck in some kind of loop of <laughs> yeah. appointing the same manager all the time. Yeah. Because yeah, they've got better Ferguson. Darren Ferguson, I thought. For his 10th I thought Google period in charge. When I, when I read it, I thought, oh, Google's broken again. Yeah. It's showing yeah. us a, a link from 2015 here. <laughs> yeah. There the, he is. I mean, the, the, you are right in that. And, you know, Charlton filled a replace. Um, the lad who went to Huddersfield, <clears> didn't <throat> Grant. Uh, Grant, yeah. So they'll be disappointed about that. And, and that'll be a bit of a psychological blow for them. Um, I think that where Luton have done well is lost the manager and they've won five games on the bounce since um, and it's probably the self-beliefs there well you know we can still continue this we can still do it without him um, you know and, and, and you know it's all it's that psychological thing it's the momentum like you say Lance and at the moment <clears throat> it does feel like the on Tuesday next week now I'm not obviously things can change over time but it does you do feel as though for some reason it feels like at the end of that period we'll, f we'll know whether or not it's the playoffs or 
yeah. it's automatic promotion now because you can't, you can't say, keep... we might not be saying in three games time well it's the playoffs and then still get automatic promotion I know that but it, it does I, feel like I, that I would back us in the playoffs mind still I, th- I think the home thing would be big. I don't want to talk about that. The no, we're not. We're not. We're not talking about that. <laughs> Let's now. forget about it. Um, um, but yeah, the, keeper played well yeah. again, didn't he? Yeah, apparently that's not allowed though. Well, it is a bit ridiculous when people say if it wasn't. That's nonsense yeah. to say if it wasn't for a keeper, you'd be here. That he's a player, he plays for us, and his job is to make saves for us. Which is what yeah. I, it, especially I don't know if about the last, keepers last season. Exactly, I think last season made people forget that a goalkeeper is yeah. actually supposed yeah. to save shots on target when they go at him because last year was so yeah. bad. Do you remember a keeper situation worse than no, last year? Well, no, I mean, I don't think there's ever have been as, as the, for anybody, not, not just Sunderland. <laughs> and I think because the recent history was so bad, I think we're just so grateful that we've now got a goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, has two hands. Yeah, the shot. Yeah, <laughs> can catch. It's funny, Andy, because uh, nobody says, like, um, well, you only won the FA Cup in 1973 because Jimmy Montgomery made that save, yeah. do they? Mm. Nobody says that. <laughs> A few people at least do, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, they don't matter. Um, but it, it is, it, it is, it's like, oh, well, if it, if, you, if you didn't have Maju, then, you know, we wouldn't be anywhere because nobody had scored goals. If we didn't have this, if you didn't have that, it doesn't matter. You got them, so, you know, you just, that's, that's the game. They should, some, one of the other teams in the league should have signed them, shouldn't they? Sure, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it is, it is a stupid argument. Um, the, the the giving away the chances of giving away is a slight concern um, yeah I think <clears> that's the more worrying thing yeah. not the fact that he's saving them I mean, you, I mean a lot of talk got cut open I didn't, think, I didn't think it was a foul for the goal I know a few people are saying it just looked like uh, if I kind think of, you get given that 9 out of 10 times may, maybe if we, if we create more chances you're not talking about how many saves John McLaughlin's making you're not talking about the odd defensive error which will happen at this level if we're talking about having four, five, six shots on target and some of like two or three of them coming off into goals, we're not talking about keepers' performances here. No, we're not. Right, what we're going to do is going to have a little break and then we're going to come back and maybe look at... Did you ask people there for their Twitter feedback? Um, I don't know if I did. We'll check. I think I did, but if we, if we'll find out. We'll have back. a look. Yeah, we might or might not listen to your Twitter feedback, but we'll talk about Oxford as well and we'll just have a little bit more chat with Lance. Jack Ross and you're listening to the Wise Men Say podcast. Okay, Sunderland play Oxford, so it's always good when one of these uh, podcasts is uh, a review and a preview because it means we don't have to st- we don't struggle for content and we'll talk rubbish for a little bit longer. Sunderland play Oxford as I'm tr- trying to make eye contact with Gareth and Richard and the both on the phones. I'm looking at these. Qu- um, you said looking at the questions. So. <laughs> okay, right. So, so what we'll talk about now well, is the, the main debate. The main debate has been about. Dylan McGeoch, basically. Well, right. So he's either he's either like an Esther or Jeff Whitley, depends which side of the fence for. Apparently, there's no middle ground. It's this seems to have caused a lot more debate than I thought. It's it's fair, I think, that people will be asking that question. Um, at the, certainly him, because his last two games for us, he played against Luton, he played well. And then he plays in the Checker Trade Trophy against Man City on 21s and he plays well. Then he's not in the team. So, like what you're saying before, Richard, that whatever it is, if it's down to the manager's tactics, whether it's down to the players within themselves, if Ross is sticking with his formation, this template, Dylan McGeoch is within his right to ask the question, isn't he? Yeah. Why am I not playing? Because yeah. somebody in that position is not doing it. For, forget what kind of player he is, he's a centre midfielder, he's within his right to ask that question, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, if it's not working for us. 
we need we need to be making changes. He's he's not, hasn't even had a sniff recently. And then, coming off the back of possibly two yeah. best games for us, he played really well against uh, Luton, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, who, who were the best team in the league? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that you could see he's unlucky to be dropped. Power hasn't been great recently. I really like Power, but he just hasn't. I don't know. I, I don't want to say it's the sends off because players, you know, go through spells of, of bad form, and he's not the only one who hasn't played, you know, to his level. So, I think, like you say, McGeoch couldn't have it. I wouldn't have any complaints if he played tomorrow night, but I wouldn't play him because I've got a different idea of what I, the team I play personally. But I feel as though Honeyman dropping deep. He had a really good spell when he played in that too. No, I agree. Um, I don't that's, think, that's a change I wouldn't make. Honeyman deeper and O nine. I would have O nine yeah. in the middle. There's three yeah. Honeyman O nine and and Led, but it would be my three in the middle. Catamolo, I wouldn't bother having him in the squad if he's not starting because I don't think he's effective substitute at all. I think he takes ages to get into the game when he comes on, and your power would be a much better option coming off the bench. Going off on a tangent, did anyone watch the Spurs Leicester game? No, Jimmy Vardy, they brought on to take a penalty. Did anyone else think that was really weird? Your first I saw you missed your, fir- well, it's your first touch. And I was thinking, surely that's not a good thing. You've not touched the ball at all. And then you've been asked to... to he has the touched the ball in his life, though. Yeah, that's... no, but you have an all game. And then suddenly you go on the pitch and your first touch of the ball is to, be, to try and beat an international goalkeeper. It's going to be great for his optostats, though, isn't it? He's, he's going to be chuffed with himself for that. Did he, did he score? No, he missed. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's that's bad for his optics. <laughs> On the flip side, as a non-professional footballer, if you were given the opportunity to kick a ball once in professional football, it would probably be a penalty. You still need to take a couple of touches. <laughs> I and think it's a hindsight thing, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know because I go was, all the way back to Penenka. You know, I, I, he was a genius, but he he could have looked like I Jeff was, Whitley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was. Um, I was saying as he was coming on. He's the, he the benchmark. <laughs> I was Jeff saying Whitley. it to my wife when she wasn't listening, but I was going to say, and he hasn't touched the ball. This is a bit dodgy, but she wasn't paying attention. But I was saying it. Why? Why? We've gone off into a tangent now. Um, I don't, you, t- I you took it that way. Have, I know. I did. I did. If you want, I just thought it was interesting. Where did I, where did I, I jump to that from though? We're talking about McGee, I think. You talked about Catmull being an effective. Ah, yeah, yeah. Getting into the game. Getting into the game. Was it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We've got a lot of midfielders on the lance. I don't know what you've seen this season. You know. Well, this is a problem. The manager has lands, isn't it? Because suddenly you've got this big squad. I'm not going to say like super squad, but on League One, by League One standards, there's 22 players. It's there, a very competitive yeah. squad, and suddenly now he's he's got a decision there, and he's got to get it right. I tell you something that did impress me with Ross early season was his ability to make substitutions. Yeah, definitely, you know, like almost genius-like yeah. ability to make substitutions, and I don't know something changed there. Mm. It's like the first game of the season. The nine started. Changed and he system, had that. Yeah. He wasn't playing too well, and was it Sinclair came on at half time? Was it Sinclair? Yeah, he did. He, he came on, didn't he? and it, it mm. suddenly started clicking. Uh, I think there was a couple of more positive substitutions, and I think maybe maybe right. we've not had that. Well, I think at the weekend he did try different things. He put White on for a bit. To White be fair, did to be fair, White he did. He he did. He he done all uh, the hard work, didn't he? And grafted, and he had two strikers on. Then he took them off and changed it again. So I, I still think he is a little bit flexible in that, but certainly. He's got to stumble across something now that works because he's got all these players at his disposal and questions now are going to be asked of him, aren't they? I think, first and foremost, because Sunderland fans realise this is a strong squad. And we need to find creativity. I mean, you know, Will Grigg has, has built a reputation on finishing, but he, he needs the ball and he needs support. I've mm. uh, just come back from Scotland and, you know, to a man they're raving about, Morgan. 
mm. in terms of it being you know quite coarse on them getting until till the end of the season. I could, yeah, that, the problem he's going to have, Richard, isn't it? Is that because he's got all his players, and we're seeing it now, right? He needs to change something, and if it's not the formation, it needs to be personnel. But that's all again going back to the old championship manager thing. You would do that on a computer game, wouldn't you? So, yeah, Morgan is quiet. All right, take him out and put Gooch in. It's not going to work. Keep doing that either. No, I mean you do you do get a lot of opportunity in this league to to chop and change and for trial and error. You, you might not get that in the championship. You probably won't definitely won't get that in the in the Premier League. Um, but there's got to be some kind of of combination that that gets. The support in for the strikers. That's the the striker. That is the, that's the key mm. thing. It's getting the ball into him, and not asking him like we did with Magic to an extent to create his own chances or to to kind of get something out of nothing, which we which we were expecting and what we got out of Magic, you know, for sixteen goals, fifteen, sixteen goals in the season, mm. and we're not creating enough opportunities across across the pitch, and that falls on the three midfielders that are sitting behind. Uh, Greg at the moment mm-hmm. they need to be they need to be shown for him they need to be getting in behind him and they need to be five yards further up the pitch right, without being offside <clears throat> I know it's not as simple as this but I'm just going to have a quick look here at where are we there we are so what would you argue is our best performance this season most people would say is our best performance this season at home at home Barnsley I would say Barnsley yeah first spell uh, for, yeah yeah okay we were just a bit dodgy at the back, weren't we? But that was his tactic. So on that night, <clears throat> the team was McLaughlin, Matthews, James, Power, Flanagan, Baldwin, Maguire, Honeyman, Madger, Gooch and McGeady. So you could, you could, if you wanted, you could say, I know I'm being overtly simplistic here and saying, well, that was the best we played. Let's just pick that team and then put Grigley up front instead of Madger. Now, I know that's a very overtly simplistic way of looking at something. Um... Well, Maguire's I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not advocating. Maguire's that. the headline from that, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. It, because in the autumn around that time, he was on fire, and you know, I went to the match at Doncaster where he got the goal. You know, we were winning one nil, but we were getting goals from all over the mm. forward yeah. positions, attacking players. I would think that would be the headline from that team you just yeah, given. I mean, I, I, well, he was a sensational that night. I mean, sorry, not. Well, he was good that night. He was absolutely brilliant against Peterborough when we drew mm. two all. Um, I mean, I would put him in tomorrow night. I agree. And I would put him. And this might be controversial, but I'd put him in instead of in more instead of Morgan and Gooch. I'd put him on the right, and I'd put all nine behind. No, I think I agree. Or uh, nine behind Greg, McGeady on the other side, and then Ledbetter and and uh, Honeyman. It's somebody else though, isn't it? Where again against Luton. Who are the best team in the league at the minute? He played, he scored in that game, a very well taken goal as well. Frozen out the score totally. I know it's only two games, but it is interesting, isn't it? In that he's he provides a big bite, doesn't he? He does. He's, he's, a, he's, spark he's, well, yeah, yeah. he's a bit. He's a bit nasty. Um, he gets people going. Um, he gets the opposition going. Um, <clears throat> as we saw at the end of the Luton game, I know the red card was rescinded, but apparently, um, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, so I don't know if that's got anything to do with it. I don't know because he played in, I don't know, I can't remember if the Newcastle game was after that. Obviously, before, wasn't he? Scored um, in, in set a couple up in that game. You know, I, I do think there's an argument to say he's been a little bit unlucky. I know he hadn't been in the best of form, but Lyndon Gooch hasn't been probably the last thing yeah. he did that was really positive for us, apart from that second goal in the Czech trade game against Man City, was his performance 
against well his contribution against Walsall his performance I wouldn't say was very good against Walsall but he mm. created one and scored one um, he's probably been somebody on the edge of being dropped for a little while um, and now we've got Morgan that makes that more possible but I do feel a little bit for Maguire in that when we're talking about people who embody what we're about now he's really come in and embraced it I would also say the fact he's been dropped for the last two games from that 18 if there's anybody who wants to a player in the squad who you'd say wants to prove people wrong when they've been you know dropped or whatever it would be him wouldn't it because he was dropped against Burton came on scored an excellent goal and then after that he had his best spell um, so maybe it's Could a chance a to go yeah maybe it's a chance to go look I need you to do what you were doing do, do that for me again and if he comes in and does that and lights a place up when you got somebody like that on fire you know, and you know everyone will be calling him the king again, and all yeah, that kind of thing. It point. lifts everything, doesn't it? Because certain players just have that character where yeah. they respond to opportunity, and he was very popular at home when we got three home matches yeah. on the spin. Yeah, mm. I just feel as though maybe it's time to say give him a chance, and that's the thing. I mean, we haven't even discussed what. I mean, what more really could argue? I mean, should he even be in the eighteen? He's not really getting news. He's not fully fit. He's, but again, he'd argue he played against bench. Man City under 21s and he was he was kind of unplayable that day. Yeah, he, he scored yeah, in the Man yeah. City defence. And it, yes, it's a well, Man City under 21s. Though. No, it was, yeah. And of course, you've got to factor that in. But you can only beat what's in front of you. Yeah. And he was he was, he was was unplayable. They couldn't handle him all day. He scored he a really good in, goal. In a two, wasn't he? Was he playing at home? He was playing with them. I can't remember now. I can't remember being in front at one point. Yeah. Did Kim be able to start? Oh, he did, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, he might. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, start, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I had a dream we won one nil. Actually, you just, just reminded us. Um, one way. The, the um, what's the guy from Tottenham called again? Ajadelis. Which uh, one? <laughs> <laughs> Ricky oh, Villa. Yes, still. Yeah. But he wasn't in the squad again. He, I, mean, yeah. he, I, had a, I had a dream that he come on a sub and scored with eight minutes left, quite specifically. Well. Tomorrow night. Yeah. Okay. I know. Is it unusual that he wasn't in the squad? That I thought that you know, considering we brought him in, um, and if we hadn't brought, sad as anything, I'm dreaming about. We didn't bring Blackpool. We, yeah. It? Tottenham <laughs> reserve. Um, if we hadn't brought in Grig. You know, we brought this young lad in and he can't even get in the squad, which kind of tells you, well, he's not really... Is it that he's not better than what we've got or it's too early for him? I don't know. It's, you know, if we'd have finished that transfer window without signing Will Grigg, mm. you know, it's a little window into how alarming that might have been. I think it, it, it still all boils down to the fact that you need to create chances. And I think someone like Maguire can do that. You look at McGeady and he'll... He'll do something positive in maybe five or six things badly in terms of taking an extra he's got touch. To all the time. But yeah, he's he's one of those players. He's too that good, can, not real. He's not one of those players that you can yeah. indulge and let him do his thing. But yeah. when you've got two of those players on the pitch like McGeady and maybe Lyndon Gooch, that's when the problems start because you've got at least two of the midfielders behind the striker that aren't that concerned about creating opportunities for the striker. With especially Gooch, I, I don't see him putting his head up at any time he wants to make stuff happen for himself which is great as a young player but the the, the primary need of the team is to is to get get goals and to create chances for this for the strikers out of mm. thought and i still think you you asked earlier there gareth about the best performance we've played home all season i still think 
the best performance, the best I've seen Sunderland perform all season was at Walsall before um, Max Power got his red card. That's fair. We, it was nil-nil yeah. at the yeah, time, yeah. but we obviously I was down there and we were just, I thought we were sensational. We moved the ball about so quickly. Um, Gucci and McGeady were just swapping swapping flanks, roaming around. Um, Honeyman, deep, deeper with power, and we were just moving at one touch, two touch passing, and they couldn't get near us. And then obviously the red card. <clears throat> I thought we started everything. really well against um, Charlton as well in a similar fashion where we... Oh, wait, yeah, that was a good really performance. Did. And then... You know, we didn't take the chances in the first half, and they scored quite right at the start of the. Uh, I mean, one argument as well, I would say, I think Oviedo should come in. He's in. He's injured. Is he injured? Yeah. Is he? Well, oh. I said he's injured, is and he? he also explained that um, Flanagan's partner gave birth midweek, so he hasn't trained much, and that's why he came oh, up right. the team. Because well, that didn't yeah, seem didn't logical seem, either. Yeah. Keeping a clean sheet and then replacing him, and Flanagan, I, I think he'll be back in the team if he's ready. Yeah, I think he deserves to be. Um, I think defensively, Dunn's done well. His distribution's not been great. That might be an argument. Some people say, well, McGee, at least if he, take, if he takes it off the, the centre-backs and you know he's probably more likely to use, use the ball better. That's a, I think that's a fair argument. Um, but I just feel like, say, I mean, or nine as well, if there's a player in that group who deserves a go, a start in the, in the league in his position, it's him based on what we've seen over the last two months. Um, he hasn't let anybody down. Everything he's been asked to do was struggling a bit at the moment in trying to do what we want to do. And, and he I can think, get in the box yeah. and he can finish. Yeah, he should He should get a go. He should he should get a chance because, you know, if you're not going to get it now, then then when are you? You know, not, he's not going to get in when we start winning again, is he? If he can't get in when we're not winning. So, yeah, I'd definitely have him in. And I think that would give you the... The energy, the opportunity to press. A lot of talk about four four two, and I don't think that's the answer for us at all. Especially with the tendency of the centre backs to panic a little bit and try and lump it forward. I think we'd end up surrendering possession in their half, and we're not going to get the ball back. I think we're better off, you know, keeping a variant of that four three three four two three one, whatever you want to call it, and and and, and persisting and freshening it up a bit. Because all the players in the squad have been there long enough, apart from the most recent acquisitions, um, to know what the job is. You know, and I think, you know, in particular, people like O Nine knows what his knows what his role is in that squad. So if we change it and, and replace the personnel, Maguire knows the role that he's. You know, he knows the way Ross plays, and he knows what we've been doing. So I would just think maybe, you know, just freshening it up with some. You know, new blood in there, and and hopefully it'll click again because that's what they've got to do. They've just got to hope, find, find, get that. And I feel as though if we beat, if we do get a a good start in the game and score early, and maybe get two 0 up at half time or something like that, and then I think yeah, it'll come. You just feel like we've been saying all season if we could just batter somebody, yeah, and then we're going to hammer somebody this season, and then it's just never quite happened. No. There, will, there will be a moment this season and still a fair amount of time to yeah. go before the end of the season there will be a moment where we'll yeah. where we'll click and it'll be remember in February when we were talking about going up through the playoffs when we're like 12 points ahead in, in April maybe maybe that's going to happen we just need a spark of some sort where that's going to come from that's, that's not my job to tell genuinely fascinating to see how they respond just picking up from what Garth is saying I, I, I agree with you largely and you know 
whatever that formation is, those attacking wide positions are crucial. And without wanting to sell a book from a few years ago, you know, there are <laughs> a, num- a number, a number of things about the 73 team which were fantastic. But the roles of Dennis Stewart and Billy Hughes were absolutely, supremely critical to the success of that team. And they are important positions. You know, we talk about Grigg and the support, but what is happening down those two flanks, you know, what those players are doing, I think that is very important in terms of a team that is averaging one goal a game. Especially when they're the ones who are expected to get close to the striker and be the support. I mean, the wingers... Very different wingers to the old days where you get the touchline, but they're still crucial because they're coming inside and they're expected to link up with the forward, aren't they? At the start of the season, they were doing all that. I don't think they've stopped because Jack Ross has said don't do that anymore I don't think that's happened so I just think, think it's it a, I just think it's a you know players get into a little bit of a bad form it's a combination of things I think it's a psychological thing I think psychology is an interesting word to use as well when we talk about the other teams I don't think we should underestimate the winning mentality that Luton have got they finished second last season they've, 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 they've hit the ground running this season they're used to winning games and some of them were used to winning games in the autumn we did see a little bit, a little bit of that ourselves. Mm. Mm. And winning breeds confidence, and, and and wins breed wins. Obviously, we're we're a club that's still in recovery for for all intents and purposes. Of course, still turning of course. That, that that massive oil tanker around. Um, and it is it is heartening that we're, that we're not losing football matches, and maybe maybe we should should be thankful of the fact that 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 record's pretty good for a team that you know has been getting its backside whipped every week before that. Well, turn up to watch them play Blackpool and get behind them, I would say. Just think it doesn't take, I've said this before, it won't take much to nah, reopen those deep wounds. Yeah, well, like no, I thought you were going to say it wouldn't no, take no, much to get behind the team. No, I was like, yeah, I agree, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> say that people haven't been getting behind the team, but no, no, you know, the point that, that you know, either. we have been a, a losing club, we've been relegated twice, everything that's gone on, it really doesn't take much to, to panic people. And I've, I think we've been on the verge of a... A meltdown for a little while. Now it could, if if say we, it would be ridiculous without our league position to go on to have a meltdown. Oh well, it would be, but I think there's still not everyone. There's still a section of support I think truly believes that we should just go and swat everybody aside because we're Sunderland and that it's not. I don't think that's a right mentality or attitude to have. We've got, I've got a really good squad. I was actually arguing the <coughs> the bit it did in the echo about. The situation at the start of the season that Ross had, where he had the fact he had fewer players to pick from, I think worked in his favour. And now he's got all these, you know, luxurious options, um, and he can't. It's it's very difficult to get that balance. It's a completely different problem. I know that some people say it's a nice problem to have, but sometimes I wonder if managers probably do genuinely when they've got a fully fit squad. Yeah, we didn't have much choice at the start of the season, did he? No. And it was like, you know, we had that many players injured and he was forced to pick you've a certain keep, You've got team. to keep certain players. Like, he's got to go and stay to Chris Maguire when you're not on that 18. He scored six goals this season. He's created goals. You know, he's been a spark for us. And then, he you know, he's not, he doesn't get in the 18 two weeks on the bounce. I know he got in in the end because of Gooch um, going there with his, with his uh, last goal in Labour, I think it was. Um, but it is a... It, that these are the the other sides of the difficulties, the other difficulties in the game, and the positive problems that we've 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 kind of got now. Um, 
I mean, whatever, you know, you can talk about selection, from that 22 group of 20, 22 fit players that you pick from, you should be able to pick a team that can beat Blackpool and you should be able to pick a team that can beat Africa and, and should be able to pick one that can beat Gillingham, shouldn't he? Mm. Like whoever he yeah. picks should be able to win that game. Um, and I think that's where the, the pressure comes from, you know, the, in, but the players are human, aren't they, ultimately? And I think that's what we've seen. We've seen some humanity, you know, they're the not indestructible. You can't, and the human element on the other side as well as all those those players coming, all those teams who come and raise the game. You see some of the clubs who've come up this season and that as though it's, you know, like Wickham in particular kind of mm. went on like it was the biggest game of their lives in, in, in some respects and, you know, he made them walk in through the front of the building and all this kind of stuff and because it's an event and you know you might not get a place somewhere like this ever again and all that and it is a you know it's, it's a totally different thing and I wouldn't be surprised and I bet you know I don't have this information to hand and I'm sure somebody does somewhere but it would be interesting to see the kind of t- the teams that down the bottom sort of end of the table who've played us one week and then the next week and got a decent result and then gone and lost the next game to a team around them or below them I bet you it happens well, all the time. I think somebody did put that stuff out there. It was quite regular, yeah. Well, turn up, get behind the lads. Um, it's what we would say about that. Should yeah. we just finish asking Lance a couple more things? Yeah, before yeah, we go finish? ahead. Yeah, yeah. What's your, what you, what's your, the most, you, you were saying you've covered lots of World Cups and stuff, Lance. What, mm. What's the most interesting thing, event you've ever worked or what's it? Best story you've witnessed or anything like that? Anything that comes to mind? Right. Should have prepped you these questions before you come, really. The most like mo- keep people on the tours. The, the most enjoyable uh, event I've ever worked on was the 2002 World Cup, just because it was something I've never experienced before or since. I was the producer with the England camp at that time, so I was incredibly lucky to be uh, pitch side against Brazil in Chiswoka when, for half an hour, it looked like we might just mm. do it. Um, so that's always what was that a goal highlight. like? What was that goal like? Pitch side. Which the one? Which one? The ball, the Ronaldinho. The ball, the ball, Ronaldo, 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 same as on camera one. <laughs> and the twenty-four ISO angles you've probably seen. Um, yeah, and I can, I can I can see David Beckham jumping out of that tackle now as well. I don't remember that. Um, before one of the goals, was it? Uh, before the maybe, before yeah. the winning goal, oh, was it? yeah, before the, before the, before the winning goal. Um, but no, it, all the all the uh, major events have been great. But uh, I enjoy all all forms of sport. I was covering East Fife versus Partick Thistle at the weekend, <laughs> and uh, that wasn't the best game of football. But it was it was great to be there and to and, and to tell the the story of a team from. Methyl that's seen better days that were having the best cup run they've had in 40 odd years and seeing what it means to the people there. So non-league football I see, I see a lot of as well and then World Cups and international football as well. And which two managers did you speak to personally again in your last book? Um, Malcolm Crosby. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Good point, you said. Yeah, who, uh, I mean, 1992 was really kind of the modern generation's, 1973, wasn't it? Or, yeah. Or the previous modern generation I suppose mm. um, none of us are getting any younger but yeah I think there was I remember that cut run very well I went to uh, every game from West Ham onwards um, and there was a real momentum building I know it didn't quite happen at the end but uh, it was a real it was a real special time 
that. And then Gus Poyet, who obviously took us to the last Wembley mm. Cup final in 2014. Um, there was a connection with every former manager that we spoke to, though. you know, in terms of they, they all had a real special bond with the club. They all had frustrations, particularly with uh, boardrooms and transfer dealings, and they all felt that it was unfinished business. Um, you know, there was like this thread that was going through all the through all the stories. Yeah. Uh, Gus Poyet was very frustrated with the uh, transfer dealings of the summer of fourteen. He felt that um, Marcus Alonso was there to come to Sunderland, and obviously he's gone on to be absolutely sensational left back. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Barini was close as well, first time around. And uh, Key felt he never replaced. Mm. And those yeah. those three players were as key as the three Ks that Sam Allardyce signed in the in the transfer window of January sixteen. Seems like a distant memory that doesn't the Premier League. It's five year, five years since the League Cup final, and five years end mm-hmm. of this month, or mm-hmm. and, and two month? and a half years. The one that I always go back to is the Everton game, the, mm-hmm. the last home game of fifteen sixteen, and when England lost to Iceland, you know, it just seems to be like the prologue to this current. Mm. Era, um, because they just felt something different to me with that lap of honour um, after that Everton game. They just yeah. felt like there was a togetherness, a spirit. Sam, the, the return, were we like seventh or eighth in the form table yeah, from yeah. January to May? Yeah. We cra- it felt like we'd cracked it down. Finally. Mm. The four years of mm. fighting relegation, it felt like this is, yeah. this is it. We, we, Somebody we've knows done it. how he wants to play, he knows what kind of player fits his system. Mm. And then, yeah. And then David Moyes, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, a mixture, Joe Hart stroke David Moyes. That's who we're blaming <clears throat> for Sunderland being around. Roy Hodgson yeah. as well. He can, have some, he can have a large portion he of the He was terrible, in right, opinion. but he plays more than anybody that day, I reckon. All right, so we might, are we doing a reaction pod after Blackpool? Um, maybe, I don't know. We might or might not be. Maybe. I think we will be. I can't see why not. And uh, you can listen into that. Hopefully... It's the first three points of the next nine, which are all coming in the next three games. Thanks for listening.